What do you do for fun? What do you just like to do? Uh, do? Do you and your family go to the lake? Uh, do you like to camp? Or is your idea of camping a, a, a night at the closest Hilton? Would you rather play around a golf or would you rather go to a basketball game or maybe join a softball league or maybe piece together a quilt? If you could do anything you wanted to do today, what would it be? Would you cook a new recipe? Would you eat a new recipe? <laughs> what are you going to do this afternoon for fun? Maybe you've got some time off this afternoon. And Sunday afternoon is always a good, good time. What are you going to do for fun today? Are you going to watch a basketball game and maybe take a nap or maybe do both at the same time? <laughs> what do you do for fun? Well, you may be surprised at how the psalmist answers that question here in Psalms 119. Again, we're going to start reading in verse 14. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, we usually don't think of God's commands in that kind of a way. The, the psalmist describes the Bible as fun. Now, he's not being disrespectful. Far from it. He finds joy in God's word. He finds delight in God's word. Is that possible for us to do the same thing? Aren't God's commands just a bunch of stuff that takes away all of our fun? No, this morning we're going to discover something that maybe you've not thought about it in these terms, but it's what the psalmist discovered, that we can take joy in God's Word. First of all, we need to see God's Word for what it truly is. Far too many dismiss God's Word without even really knowing what it says. According to research from LifeWay, there's good news and bad news about biblical literacy in America. They did a survey a little while back asking people just across the United States what they thought about the Scripture, what they knew about the Bible. And the good news is the majority of Americans have a favorable view of the Scripture. 52% say that the Bible is a good source for moral views, for understanding what you should do in life. That's good. However, more than half of the Americans surveyed said they had actually read very little of the Bible. According to LifeWay's research, one in ten people said they've never read a single word of the Bible. And that's in America. One in ten people haven't even opened it up. Thirteen percent said, well, we probably have read a few sentences here and there. Thirty percent said, yeah, we've probably read a couple of stories and maybe one or two passages. Now, there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect here. The majority of people say, yeah, the Bible's a great place to, to know how to have an excellent life, to, to know what you're supposed to do. And yet, the majority of people haven't actually read very much of it. So what's going on? 
Well, the researcher, or one of the researchers from the survey, a guy named Scott McConnell, has a guess. He says, Americans treat the Bible a little like exercise. (laughs) They know it's important and helpful, but they don't ever get around to doing it. The psalmist here gives an antidote to that. Now, we know what what, what the researcher was talking about, right? Especially with exercise. Everybody knows you're supposed to exercise, and and yet, you know, we're we're a couple months now away from our New Year's resolution to exercise, and some of us haven't quite kept up with that like we wanted to. We know it's something good. We know it's something important, and yet we don't do it. And so many people approach the Bible the same way. They they know the Bible's a good book. They, They know it's something important. They know it's something they should be reading, that they should be applying to their life. And yet, they don't get around to doing it. Well, the Bible gives us an antidote. It's what the psalmist discovered. He saw the Bible for what it really is. Here's what he says in verse 14. Listen to it again. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. (laughs) How would you feel tomorrow if you go out to your mailbox, open it up, you pull out an envelope, you take it inside, you open up the envelope, and inside there's a check. A really big check. Mortgage payment big. New pickup big. Retire early big. Now, my guess is if tomorrow you go out to your mud box, you pull out an envelope like that, you open it up and surprisingly find a check for an enormous amount of money made out to you, that's going to be a pretty good day. Whatever else went wrong that day up to that point, going to be a lot less aggravating. If you even remember what went wrong at all after that. All those zeros on that check, they're going to make it all feel better. The psalmist discovered that very same feeling in God's Word. Now think about that for a minute. I don't know what you carried in with you this morning. Maybe you've just had one of those weeks. Everything's gone wrong. The dog chewed up the couch. The furnace quit. The shingles blew off the roof. We had a few of those here at church that did that in that wind yesterday. And you called the repairman to to tell him about all the problems you're having. He said, sure, I'll come by and fix that for you in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Maybe it's been an aggravating week for you. Or maybe, maybe your problems go deeper than that. Maybe much deeper. Maybe what you brought in with you this morning, it wasn't just aggravation. Maybe life has dealt you a devastating blow. And you came in this morning just dragging that burden behind you. Not knowing what you were going to do. But what if? What if you left here today... With something that was so amazing, so incredible, that all those aggravations of life, even the gut punches of life, suddenly they seemed really insignificant in comparison. 
That's what happened for the psalmist when he came to God's Word and saw it for what it really was. He had the same reaction to God's commands as he did to riches. It gave him joy so overwhelming that it made all of the aggravations of life very insignificant in comparison. What about you? Does God's Word give you joy this morning? Would you like it to? Well, the psalmist doesn't just describe what happened to him. He then describes how it can happen to all of us. And he does it with with three steps to think, plant, and harvest. Let's see what he says here. I think this is something we all want. We we all want to rejoice in God's Word. We don't want to treat God's Word like (laughs) push-ups. We want to take God's Word and delight in God's Word. We, We know it's there. We know that treasure's there. How do we get it out? Well, let's look at how we can do that when we think, plant, and harvest. If you're a farmer... You're going to plant something. That's what farmers do. But before you plant your crop, you're going to do something. You're going to think it through. You're going to plan it out. You don't just walk out the back back door and throw some seeds out in the backyard and kind of wait for something to come up. You you think it out, whether you're a farmer or or whether you're just an afternoon gardener. You think it through. You say, well, well, this is the field where I'm going to plant this crop. Or or if you're you're home, you you think, well, well, I'm going to plant the tomatoes right here. And and I'm going to make out a little plot here where I'm going to plant some beans. You you think about where's the best place for that to be. Where does it get the best irrigation? Where does it get the right kind of sunshine? Where's the best? You think it out. You, You plan it through. Okay? Then after you've planned it through, what do you do? Well, you actually have to plant it. (laughs) It's not enough just to think about it. It's not enough just to read the book on the instructions on gardening. You actually have to go out there in the dirt and plant the seeds. So you've thought it out. You've planted it out. You've planted the seeds. Then you just come back a couple months later and pick your corn. (laughs) No, Each day you go out there and and you work your garden. You water it when it needs water. You pull the weeds when the weeds need to be pulled. You you make sure it has exactly what it needs. You pull the bugs off. of. You you do the stuff each day to work that garden. You think. You plant. And then you harvest. And that's the way the psalmist describes how he found joy in God's Word. Here's how he describes it in verse 15. He uses some different words, but it's it's that same idea of think, plant, harvest. You'll hear it here as you look. I meditate, I think, on your precepts. I consider, I plant your ways. And I delight in your decrees. I actually go out there and I harvest it. And then he gives this reminder to himself, I will not neglect God's word. 
Now let's look at this. The, the psalmist follows the path of the farmer. First, he plans. According to verse 15, he says he, he meditates and considers. To, to meditate, it literally means talk to yourself. Now, you don't, don't won't have to have a show of hands here. Because I guarantee you, every hand would go up if I asked you, how many people talk to yourself? We know you do it. Just admit it. Now, maybe you don't say it out loud, or you, you know, but you, in your head, you're, you're kind of talking to yourself. When you're planning something, you're kind of going over it in your mind. Say, I'm going to go do this, then I'm going to do that. And then, Wait a minute, I don't have time to do that. I gotta do, you know, you're thinking it out. And maybe you do even say it out loud. That's okay. Actually, saying it out loud helps us to clarify things in life. Have you ever done that? You know, you thought something in your head, and then when you say it, you go, I didn't make any sense at all. Well, this is because it, it helps us to do that. And the same thing ought to be true with God's Word. We've talked about memorizing Scripture. We've actually seen that a couple of times already here in, in Psalm 19, so I'm not going to uh, go back and go over that again. But we know that's important. But one of the best ways to memorize Scripture, I've even had a couple of people ask me, well, you know, this isn't going very well for me. I'm, having some, I'm struggling with how to memorize well, one of the best ways to memorize God's Word is just to actually say it out loud, right there, yourself. Just, just, just say it. And, and what this does, uh, there are different parts of our brain that, that think about things when we're thinking about them. And then there's another part of our brain that says things, that communicate things out. And then there's a third part of our brain that hears things. So that means when you do that, you're using... Three parts of your brain. I don't know about you, but I could use three times the brain power sometimes. The psalmist also considers God's word. Uh, that word means to contemplate or to focus on something or to look carefully at something. As you read God's word, as you memorize God's word, as you think about what it means to you, you begin to consider you begin to focus on it. How am I going to live my life differently based upon what God's Word just said to me? How is my life going to change? What am I going to try to do more or what am I going to try to leave out of my life? That's how we plant God's Word. You know, it's not enough just to hear God's Word. That's good. We need to do that. But we also need to find a way to plant it in our life and see what grows. And then eventually, it's going to be time to gather the harvest. We've planned it. We've thought about it. We've planted it. We've tried to find a way to apply it to our life. Now it's time to bring the harvest. The psalmist uses this word that we might not initially think about when we think about reading the Bible. He delights in the Scripture. The word in verse 14 for rejoice that's a festive kind of word. The word that's here in verse 16 for delight, it's more of a continued process. It's something that, that has a lasting effect. The, the farmer doesn't just bring the harvest in for an afternoon snack. He brings the harvest in to feed his family. Every day, for not just this afternoon, he wants to feed his family all the way until the next harvest comes. And he knows how important that harvest is going to be. Now, now you know, we've got Walmart down the street, so this isn't quite the same way with us. But back in the days when, when folks actually depended 
on their farming. They knew, hey, if the harvest doesn't come in, we're going to be hungry this year. And if we don't have any harvest, we could starve. That's how important the harvest was to them. And so you had folks out working the fields, not not just to bring in a nice tomato. They were out there working the field because they knew if they didn't work the field, their family would suffer. We need to see God's Word that way. To see how important bringing the harvest of God's decrees, His commandments, His instructions for our life, how significant that is because without it, spiritually, we starve. So the psalmist comes to this conclusion. I will not neglect God's Word. Just as a wise farmer would never neglect his field, so we should never neglect God's Word. It's too important. It's far too great a treasure. One of the commentaries that I read on this passage had a wonderful illustration of a ship that was going through an area where it was known that there were a number of rock outcroppings just underneath the surface of the water. It was a very dangerous area. And so one of the passengers was kind of concerned. I mean, they were a little worried and you know, they looked out across the water. They couldn't see any of these, these rock outcroppings, but they knew if the ship hit one of those, it was going to go down. <laughs> they didn't want that. So they went to the captain and they said, Captain, I know visually you can't see where, where these rocks are. How do you know where they are? Here's what the captain said. He said, I don't need to. I only need to know where the deep water is. Think about that. We spend so much time and so much energy trying to understand all the evils of this world. We try to figure it out. How are we going to fix that? How are we going to get that out of here? And the more we think about it, the more frustrated we get. Because the more we think about it, the more evil we discover. We drive ourselves crazy. But we don't need to. All we need to know is where the deep water of God's Word is. (laughs) Now we think that will be really, really hard. We think, well, I don't have a seminary degree. I don't know how to do that. I I, I can't get that out of the Bible. How am I going to do that? Folks, that's a lie from Satan. And there's another lie that he tells us. He says, well, if you, just, you, know, if you do all that stuff in the Bible, it's going to take all the fun right out of your life. No. <laughs> it's in God's Word where you're going to find real joy. Lasting joy. It's where you find delight. <laughs> so how can we do that? Well, we can follow the farmer. We can think, plant, and harvest. You know, we've, we've been challenging you this year with the What's Your One uh, Challenge. Think of at least one way this year that you can move your, your spiritual walk forward. And we've talked about several ways uh, to do that. Many of those have to do with this very topic, and there'll be lots more to come. By the end of the year, you'll have 52 of these. <laughs> 
So there'll be lots of them about how to make the Bible come alive in your life, how to make God's Word, how to apply it, how to live it out. Uh, here's one more for you, and if you're looking for some more, you can go to our website. Uh, they're on the ministry uh, function. You can just go down to the What's Your One link, and all these will be listed there as we go through them this year. But here's one for this morning. Everybody has an extra Bible, I'm going to expect. You, know, you probably do somewhere. Most of us do. We live in an age where the Bible is readily available, and boy, what a blessing that is. So most of us have an extra one uh, laying around. Or maybe you've got a favorite devotional book, one that's, that you've used and that you enjoy and that, that helps you to focus on God's Word. Just take that and place it somewhere where you're always going to see it. You know, what do you do with, when you have something you really enjoy? I love my family and I love my little granddaughter. In case you hadn't heard about that, I have a granddaughter. <laughs> so on my desk, if you go down to my desk, you'll see a picture of my granddaughter right there. That just reminds me of the joy that she brings to my life. You know, and if, if you like uh, sports, you're probably going to have a sports team somewhere there close to where I, I've got that. I've got some Baylor stuff in my office, too. You can go down and see that. You, you have things there where you are a lot of the time just to remind you of those things that bring you joy. Well, here's a way to do that with the Scripture. Just put one there on your desk at work or maybe at home somewhere. Uh, where you've got a special table where you read a lot or where you sit a lot. You know, just, just somewhere where, you're gonna, where you are a lot. Put that copy of God's Word, or you, you can put a devotional book as well if that's something that helps you read God's Word. Just put it right there. And let that be a reminder to you of the joy God's Word brings to your life. You know, I heard someone once said, it's very difficult to think your way into a new way of acting but it's much easier to act your way into a new way of thinking. In other words, you know, if we just think, oh, I wish the Bible would give me more joy. I wish the Bible would give me more joy. That's probably not going to do much. But if we start acting like, hey, the Bible brings me a lot of joy. I'm going to find some joy in here today. I'm going to find something that delights me today. I'm going to find something that makes my life better today. If we start acting that, we'll start thinking that way. So, so just make it worth something you see every day, just like that picture or that reminder, that memento, whatever. Have that Bible right there and let that be a reminder to you. Hey, God's Word brings me joy. And there's something else that has a, a, another benefit as well. As other people come by and they see my photos of my, my family and photo of my granddaughter, oh, is that your granddaughter? Yeah, let me tell you about her. <laughs> I got a few more photos I can show you. Just hang out here for about an hour. I'll say, you know. That's what happens, right? Right? When you've got something, or, or people come to my office and say, would you go to Baylor? Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the Baylor Bears. You know, they see that and they ask me, well, guess what? So what's that Bible on your desk for? I see that every day there. Why do you have that there? You have an opportunity, wide open door, to share your faith. To tell them I have that Bible there because it reminds me how much God loves me. It reminds me... Of the joy that I find in Jesus. And if you ever, ever, ever have some time, I'd like to sit down and talk with you about that. Just imagine what might happen with that simple act of just leaving a scripture or a devotional book there where somebody might see it. If you don't like that one, there's several more on the What's Your One page that, that might fit you better. Just remember this morning, though. Remember. The Bible gives us Joy. 
Heavenly Father, help us to realize your word is, is not an exercise. Your word brings us joy. In fact, it's the only place we'll find what true joy really is. Help us to recognize the treasure that we have in the Scripture. Because the Scripture points us to you. Help us see that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.